We, we just thank you, Father, for the strength we receive knowing you walk with us. We do not walk alone. Father, minister to us through your word today. And I pray, Father, that you'd put your hand upon our, our study today and help us to, to see what you want to say to our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. I must admit to you, this lesson today was more troubling to me than uh, I thought it would be uh, and caused me to do a lot of going back in time and remembering things and I'm going to ask you to do some remembering too, okay? So we'll, we'll uh, Zechariah chapter 1 verses 1 through 6 says this in the eighth month of the second year of Darius, the word of the Lord came to Zechariah, the son of Berechiah, the son of Iddo, the prophet, saying, The Lord has been very angry with your fathers. Therefore say to them, Thus says the Lord of hosts, Return to me, says the Lord of hosts, and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. Do not be like your fathers. To whom the former prophets preached, saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts, Turn now from your evil ways and your evil deeds. But they did not hear nor heed me, says the Lord. Your fathers, where are they? And the prophets, do they live forever? Yet surely my words and my statutes, which I commanded my servants, the prophets, did they not overtake your fathers? So they returned and said, just as the Lord of hosts determined to do to us, according to our ways and according to our deeds, so he has dealt with us. Mama, can I get somebody to look up Ezra 5.1 for me? Who'll do that? Ezra 5.1. Well, I don't want you to just look it up. I want somebody reading. Oh, Mary Lou will read it. Okay. We're going to be looking at the man, Zechariah, the prophet, and getting some insights into him and the prophecy he was used to write today before we get into our prayer principles. Ezra, Nehemiah. By Nehemiah, you got Ezra right in front of you. All right. Sure. You got it? Now, what was it? Ezra. I got Ezra. You know what? It would probably be real helpful yes. if I turned the TV on. <laughs> I don't want to turn it on too early and it burns holes in the screen. So I'm I, just sitting there. So I totally forgot to turn on the TV. People at home. It's on now. It's, there we are. We're in Zechariah. And I was going to mock you and say, well, it's right on the... No, it wasn't. It wasn't on the screen. So here we are. Ezra 5.1 Now Haggai the prophet and Zechariah the prophet, a descendant of Edo, prophesied to the Jews in Judah and Jerusalem in the name of God, the God of Israel, who was over them. Okay, here we find that the time period of the prophecy of Zechariah is at the same time period that Ezra, the scribe, and Haggai was there and all of these prophets were 
in back in Jerusalem when the people came back from exile, the 70 year exile. Their writings are called post-exilic, post-exile, after the exile. And uh, they have a common theme. The theme was, get your act together, don't make me send you away again, basically, from the Lord. And you remember last time they had in Haggai, they had been back for 18 years, and they had built the wall, and they had built their houses, and they had their fields plowed, and, and their herds, and everything else, but they hadn't even touched the temple of the Lord. And this is the same time period you heard mentioned there in, in uh, Ezra 5.1 that Haggai and Zechariah was along with, with uh, Ezra and Nehemiah and all the different people that were involved in the post-exilic uh, reclaiming of Jerusalem and Israel. Common themes uh, don't do what you did before that got you thrown out of, out of Israel to begin with. Yeah. Now obviously they didn't listen. And generations to follow later on, Jews were scattered all over the planet. Kicked out of their own homeland for rebellion against the Lord and the Lord used Rome and others to just spread them all over the place. But then in 48 he brought them back. Brought them back and established Israel. It tells us that Zechariah, he was called a prophet, but he was also uh, in the lineage of Iddo, uh, the, a priest and a prophet. So he was a prophet and a priest. And they give you these, the Holy Spirit gives these details so that we can look at the, the writing and the, the things that are being said and it helps us to have the perspective of the one the Word is flowing through. Whereas the Lord does not just say, take a memo uh, word for word. Generally He flows through the personality and the vocabulary of the person to bring the word. And that's why when we have tongues and interpretation, it is interpretation, not translation. It is the gist of what the Holy Spirit is saying through the vessel. And here we find that he has a background in the priesthood, but there's no temple. Okay? And so the people are continuing to do their own thing <clears throat> without God being at the center of their lives. As we mentioned last time, when they went through the wilderness, every person knew where they lived because their tent was pitched in relationship to the tabernacle of God. Every time they moved, they weren't allowed to pitch their tent until the house of the Lord was erected and the fire was set and sacrifices were made. And then they were able to get their house in order. Today it's just the opposite. 
People say, well, when I get this done and that done and the other done, uh, if I have time left over, I'll give it to God. And that's the reason we're in the shape we're in. So it lets us know that he's viewing this, the prophet Zechariah is viewing this as he's a man with no job. It's tough to be a priest of the Lord in the temple if you don't have one. Amen? And uh, so it's a, it's a longing for that. The book of Zechariah is considered the most messianic prophecy in the Old Testament. The eight specific messianic prophecies of the coming of Messiah are in uh, Zechariah. We don't have time to study all of them. We're just going to take two of them. The two of the most familiar ones to us. Can I get someone to look up Zechariah 9.9? Who do you got it. Zechariah 9 9. And then Matthew 21, 4 and 5. We'll do that. Okay, you got that. Matthew 21, 4 and 5. We find the, the messianic prophecy in Zechariah and the fulfillment, partial fulfillment, in Matthew 21. Okay, you ready? Yep. All right. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem, Behold, thy king cometh unto thee. He is just, having salvation, lowly, riding upon a ass, and upon a colt, the whole of an ass. Okay. Don't. And uh, then Matthew 21, verses 4 and 5. When they drew nigh unto Jerusalem, or come to Bethphage, and to the Mount of Olives, and sent Jesus to the disciples, saying unto them, Go unto the village over against you, and straightway ye shall find an ass tied and a colt with her. Loose them, and bring them unto me. And if any man say aught unto you, you shall say, The Lord hath need of them, and straightway he will send them. All this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was prophet, spoken by the prophet, saying, Telling ye the daughter of Zion, Behold, thy king cometh unto thee meek, and sitting upon an ass, the fall of an ass. Okay. We find that Jesus' entry, triumphal entry into Jerusalem, was prophesied through Zechariah mm -hmm. in the manner in which he was coming, and basically what would be said to him and what would be transpiring when he came into town. They were saying, Hosanna, Lord save us. Remember it says, he's coming with salvation. He's coming with salvation. They sang, Hosanna, Lord save us. They're, they're fulfilling the prophecy of Zechariah. Jesus didn't stage it Jesus walked in the midst of fulfillment of the prophecy about him. So he didn't send out notices to the crowd together. The Holy Spirit did. And the people were looking for salvation from Rome. But he was coming to give salvation from sin. 
And all of this was prophesied over a thousand years before Jesus came to town that day. We find that uh, the coming of the Messiah, the people did not recognize him the way that they thought he would be Messiah. What did the people of, of Israel think the Messiah was going to do? He's going to be a general. He's going to come in like an army. He's going to come in riding a white stallion, not a donkey. He's going to come riding a white stallion and he's going to bring the troops in. We're going to overthrow Rome. Going to kick Herod out of the palace. Sit down, rule and reign and put Israel back on the map like they had been under David. That's not why Jesus came the first time. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. He came to bring salvation, not politically. And we need to always be cautious. Uh, politics is a strange bird, isn't it? Yes. Oh my, it's a strange bird. And so don't mix your theology with your politics. Let me encourage you. Because uh, that's what they did. They messed their theology with their politics. They thought he was coming to overthrow Rome, but he wasn't. Didn't do a thing to Rome except change hearts, which ultimately was the collapse of Rome. They morally collapsed from inside, but the kingdom of God still stands. Amen. So, this, this is just one of eight messianic prophecies uh, found in Zechariah. Uh, the other most popular one, uh, outstanding one, is found in Zechariah chapter 14 and verse 4. We'll read that one. Okay, give God. And his feet shall stand in the day upon the Mount of Olives, which is before Jerusalem on the east, and the Mount of Olives shall cleave in the midst thereof toward the east and toward the west. And there shall be a great valley, and half of the mountain shall remove toward the north, and half of it toward the south. Okay. When Messiah comes, this is referring to his second coming. Uh, it says that he's going to set foot on the Mount of Olives. <clears throat> I have a photo on the screen, but I've been having such lousy luck with my screen photos. Can you see this enough to get a gist? Okay, I'll, I'll put it up there in a moment. But this is the view of the Temple Mount. Off to the right is from the Mount of Olives. Uh, we're standing on the Mount of Olives here looking in that direction towards Jerusalem. Down here we see the, the eastern gate, main gate of the city, which is bricked up at this point in time. But it says when Messiah comes, king comes. He's, when he sets foot on the top of the Mount of Olives, what's going to happen? Massive earthquake and it's going to split from the east to the west. It's going to peel this back and he's going to come right in the eastern gate. Now, we've talked about it so many times. I, I know you get tired of hearing it, but 
it's so exciting to me when, when we go over to, to Israel and we sit in the uh, Garden of Gethsemane on the Mount of Olives. And when we're in that private garden, how many of you have been with me when we've gone to the private garden? I pay a little bit extra money. We get a, we can walk around and pray and do whatever. But every place you stand in that private garden, you have a bullseye view of the Eastern Gate. And the Muslims know the prophecies and they say, well, they say their Messiah is coming. We're going to put a stop to that. Uh, we're going to put a cemetery <laughs> all along the base there. And a good Jewish boy couldn't walk through a cemetery and then go straight into the temple. They don't even have a temple. We're not going to worry about it. But we'll put, we'll put a grave, graveyard up there. And the other half of the Mount of Olives is a graveyard already. But uh, by the earthquake, it pushes and shoves it all aside, and Jesus just walks straight through in a valley and walks right up and sits down on the mercy seat in the Holy of Holies in the new temple that will be erected in the future. Let me try and see if I can conjure up this uh, picture. Give you a good look at it as well. Okay, here's one, one view of it. I don't know if you can see it very well. This is at night. You see the, <coughs> the eastern gate up here. And below it, there's a cemetery in here. And we're through the valley up on the other side. We're up here in the Garden of Gethsemane. Let me try one more scene that I found. Now, if you was a tourist, you can see that, right? Yep. I'll tell you, you see this picture right here? <laughs> There's the Dome of the Rock. Down here is the Eastern Gate. Down here, see it? Mm -hmm. And this photo was taken by Mike Butterworth from up on top of Mount Scopus. And uh, this is the view you get when you get to Jerusalem. <coughs> Can't wait. Where did you take it from? Mount Scopus, where we have the overview, the overlook. Usually, back behind this, this railing here, see this railing? This is where we gather for an overview of the city, and usually where we take a group photo. So all the group photos that I have were all taken there. Every 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 one of us gets a group photo, and and uh, we pass them around and sign them, and and have some great memories. And uh, but the scene that I love is from the Garden of Gethsemane. Looking straight ahead, you're at the Eastern Gate. Now, some people say, well, you know, for, in order for Jesus to come back and fulfill all the prophecy, uh, they're going to have to tear down this. This is the Dome of the Rock shrine of the Muslims. 
and uh, that will create World War III. Well, the problem is, if you'll look over here, here is the Eastern Gate. And you go straight from the Eastern Gate up to the Temple Mount, to the Temple. Well, do you notice that this is not anywhere close to where that is? The Muslims built it in the wrong spot that they were trying to keep the temple from being built. I believe they believed a strong illusion. Up on, those of you who have been with me up on top of the Temple Mount know the place where the temple, right in front, behind the, the eastern gate, is wide open. Just totally wide open. Just waiting. And the, the Dome of the Rock is in the segment of the Temple Mount that is called the Court of the Gentiles. So that Gentiles could come and see what God was doing in the Temple. Okay, i got to get off of this or I'll never get to my lesson today. i got to get, get away from that. But, uh, that's called pulling down a rabbit trail. Well, that's, it's a good trail to go down. Oh, yeah. Talking about city of Jerusalem. Amen. All i got to do is get back where I'm going. Okay. Now is there a hotels real close to that? To this? You don't want to be in a hotel real close to that. It's uh, uh, it's it's very, very expensive. It's very remote. You see how far it was to the city of Jerusalem? Yes. Yeah. Um, my hotel, the hotel we stay in, is called the Jerusalem Gate, and it's right in the Jewish quarter of the city. Right. And uh, we can take walks of an evening and go see all kinds of things in Jerusalem. Not across the, the huge valley from Mount of Olives down the, there. That's where you get your bread. Well, I get it all over. That's what I mean. Don't get me, don't get me started. In, in, uh, in Tiberias, we stay in the Leonardo Club Hotel, which is just a, a stone's throw away from the Sea of Galilee. And we, of an evening, we go out walking, don't we? Don't we, folks? Oh, my, 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 my. There's a cup of coffee waiting in one of those coffee shops for me. Okay, okay. Okay, that's it. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. So the prophecy that Zechariah has is not related to the first coming of Jesus. Right. As the first prophecy was, the second prophecy is about the second coming of Jesus. And we need to always, when we're talking about this, so everybody's clear and clarified, because the waters have been muddied over the centuries uh, through false interpretations. Jesus is coming back the first time in clouds of glory. We call that the rapture of the church or the glorious appearing. He's coming in clouds. He does not at that point set foot on planet earth. He's, he's gathering his children home. How many of you are his children? He's going to, in a moment, in a twinkling, in an eye, we're going to be changed and caught up into his presence. We're going to be in clouds with him. We're going to be in heaven. And then what happens right after that? 
The great tribulation happens on planet earth. God gives a few more chances for people to repent and turn to God. And uh, what a merciful God. And uh, at that seven year tribulation period, at the end of that, when everything looks like Israel's going to fall, the Lord comes with 10,000 times 10,000 of His saints. And He comes and He sets foot on the Mount of Olives. And this massive earthquake peels away all the graves. And He walks right in. And He walks right up to the rebuilt temple, which will be built during the tribulation period of time. And He's going to sit down on the mercy seat, throne of God. And he's going to rule and reign for a thousand years. That's the second coming. Rapture, one thing. Second coming, another thing. So one of, one of uh, Zechariah's prophecies referred to his first coming when he came and rode in on the donkey of what we call Palm Sunday. The second prophecy there, Messianic prophecy, is when Messiah's coming back to rule and reign, and he's not putting up with anything. Amen. 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 So, any before we go, any, any other thoughts uh, or things that this stirs up for you, just in Zechariah's prophecies? Uh, we'll talk a little bit more of it later. Okay, let's get to the uh, prayer emphasis. And this is one that was, was so reflective to me, and I, I don't want to over-talk today. I want you to talk, um, but I'm going to tell you what I want you to think about. I had to go down to some dark places in my recollections. I don't go there very often, okay? Don't, don't go there very often. Uh, the way I was raised and some of the things that I felt or didn't feel. I want you to think about the way you were raised and some of the things in, in your life. Our first principle, prayer emphasis, we see there in the verses we already read in Zechariah 1, 2 through 4. The Lord has been very angry with your fathers. Therefore say to them, Thus says the Lord of hosts, Return to me, says the Lord of hosts, and I will return to you. Verse 4, Do not be like your fathers, to whom the former prophets preached, saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts, Turn from your evil ways and your evil deeds. But they did not hear nor heed me, says the Lord. We want to talk a little bit today about praying to break Patterns of the past. Praying to break patterns of the past. I know all of you were raised in thoroughly wonderful Christian godly environments. <clears throat> or maybe not. Many were not. And we've got some baggage. I'm just going to share a little bit about some of my baggage that I had to pray through. I had to have the Lord's help to help me with. Um, 
far too often, the patterns that are established in our families are passed through us to the next generation. Yes. And uh, don't don't buy that stuff about generational curses. That's not Bible. That's not Bible. That's hype. Yes. I'm talking about patterns that we develop that can be broken by the power of Christ. And as Jesus, as the Lord is telling Zechariah, don't be like your fathers. Now my father was a, a nice a nice guy, a great guy, a hard worker, but I never knew if my father loved me at all. Oh my goodness. Never knew. I never once heard my father say to me, good job, Kenny. Never. These are dark places for me. I don't visit very often. I don't like them. Um, we develop patterns of behavior that we can pass along to our children and to our families, and to those around us, and even to our church. I'm just going to give you a few more details and then I want you to be thinking about maybe there's some things that you grew up with or were surrounded with that you don't want to pass along to others. Uh, on my father's side, uh, it was work was the main ethic of the day. Amen. And that's all right. Yeah. I trained my kids to be hard workers. But uh, my first job, I was a paper boy, and I didn't do that right either. Uh, not really. And then I was a stock boy at Albers Supermarkets, and he just kind of left me alone on that one. But then he, he had a cousin, Cousin Hal, that worked for Bell Telephone. And uh, I have absolutely no ability in electronics. I, I'm just saying I, I have no abilities. None whatsoever. And Dad started in and said, Hal, Cousin Hal says he can get you a job at Bell Telephone. It would be a good job. Good, solid job. Why don't you go try for it? And I said, well, what kind of job is it? I don't know. He says, well, he works with the uh, phone booths and pay phones and goes and takes the money out of them. His crew takes the money out of them. And then if there's a mess up, they, uh, they fix them or take them in and put a new one up. And he said, Any, even a stupid person could do that. <laughs> Thanks, Dan. And uh, that was the only vote of confidence I got. I didn't want to work for Bell, Bell Telephone. I was thoroughly happy uh, bagging groceries at, uh, and working in the produce aisle at, at Kroger's. But Dad was unrelenting. And as a little boy, I wanted to please my daddy. So I applied. And they said, well, we want you to come in for a test on electronics. <laughs> I said, well, this is a short-lived. So, but I wanted, I didn't want to disappoint my father. I did not want that job. <clears throat> but I did not want to, dis I'd like to have a good job, Ken. 
Way to go. Um, so I went to the library and studied. And I studied all kinds of electronic formulas and electrical formulas and, and ohms and resistances and uh, all kinds of things like that. And I studied, I, re I memorized all of these formulas. I didn't know what they meant. I had no clue. And so I went and I took the test and I aced it. Oh no, not, not praise the Lord. No, no, no. I, I, I passed so high on this thing. I didn't get to go and take the change out of pay phones and fix pay phones. I, I, I got put into an advanced electronics group that traveled the state of Ohio with long lines systems. Reading schematic drawings. Oh, yeah. Traveling extensively. I hated every moment. I despised it. I made great money. But you know, how many of you know, great money is not a great salve to your, your heart. You hate it. But I always had to, you know, and Dad's thing was, you've got a good job, don't blow it. All righty then. Totally miserable, totally miserable. And uh, at my father's funeral, I'd only worked there like eight months, six, eight months. At my father's funeral, my manager, super, super, supervisor, came up and uh, talked to my mom and said, uh, Mrs. Keene, if there's anything we can do uh, for you at this time. And she just simply asked, don't, don't send Ken out of town for a while. I could really use him. Oh, okay. I was on uh, a van out of town the next week. <laughs> and I turned in my two-week notice after that. I got a job, a no-brainer kind of job that I just loved. I was working at Ohio State University and uh, interlibrary loan, and I took books to the various unit college libraries. I loved it. Great opportunity to witness and whatever. Had plenty of time to spend at church. But my dad, as long as he was alive, I had to be where I was, trying to please him. My dad never came to a single event that I was a part of. At church, solo competitions, dramas, plays, anything. He made it to one Little League softball game. He made it, yeah. Was he like that with your other brothers? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And uh, so my oldest brother Barry, because he was smart. Ah. And my oldest brother Barry was smart enough to make more money than my dad did when he was just starting out oh. at Western Electric. So I think he got a pass. But uh, that's. Before Lynn and I got married, we were talking about having children, and I said, I do not want to repeat what I grew up with. I love my dad, but I never knew if he loved me. 
and I, I, he was not, not there for me. He said, well, he had his job. Well, the, the, softball, the baseball games were on Saturdays, and he didn't work Saturdays. There were other opportunities on Sunday that he could have come to the plays and the different And so I determined, with God's help, I would not be that kind of dad. That I would pour myself into the lives of my kids, that they would know they may know that their dad is not great at anything except loving them. That I'm on their team. That whenever they're doing something, I'm involved with them. And I'm coaching on this, and I'll be there for that, and I'll, I'll go to the band events, and I'll sit through screeching trumpets and, and, and whining clarinets. But I'm going to be there. With God's help, cycle was broken. Because my dad was victim of the same cycle from his dad. And we broke the cycle. The Keen clan was, I gotta stop, the Keen clan was all about smoking till your lungs or look like charcoal, being an alcoholic, a feud mentality, a grudge mentality, racist, uh, on my mom's side, her dad was a Klu Klux Klan member. Uh, I had a lot to break through, but God's good. Amen? My dad's family worried about everything. Everything. I don't want to pass that kind of garbage on to my kids and to those around me to fret. And uh, I stand as a testimony and like I said, I don't like going back to those places. They're troubling times for me. But with God's help, we can pray and break the cycle and not pass it on to our kids. I've talked way too much. But can you think of some negative cycles, negative patterns that you have to pray through and break? Anybody want to share? Yes. I still have to pray through it because my father was a. He was a drug, he was drinking, but he drank a lot. So he was. He was um, abusive. Not just abusive, but words. You know. And I mean, I have to pray through it because I don't like him. Mm -hmm. I still don't like him. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. It, and the Lord is saying to Zechariah, through Zechariah, don't be like your fathers. That lets me know that through God, we don't have to be. Yeah, that's right. <clears throat> Somebody else. Some things you've had to pray through. Yeah. Well, I have to praise my mother. She was everything to me. We could go in the house after a football game or something, not as a cheerleader, and we'd hear her praying and travailing for us. I mean, and we, we had a prayerful home, although our dad wasn't saved, but he read, read the Bible and knew it as good as most anybody. But um, I was the fifth girl in a row, and then I had two boys. But my mother was everything to me. I miss her so. My mother was the, 
the one who gave light to us. Uh, we were in church whenever the doors were open. She prayed for us and taught us to be involved in the work of the Lord and, and to seek the Lord. Remember praying with us around the altar, our daily family devotions, uh, singing songs at night, gospel songs at night. Uh, you know, she wanted to break the cycles too. She was raised in a family where women were not allowed to speak. At a, at a supper table, her father would sit down and he would serve you your food, pass it to you. There were no conversations allowed at the table. And if he wanted something, he would just stare at it. And Grandma Annie had to figure out what he wanted. Because you weren't allowed to talk. But uh, somebody else. Do you understand what I'm saying? The, the need to pray to break the patterns. In my family, I grew up with a lot of profanity. It was just everywhere, you know, my dad. And uh, when the profanity got bad, I knew a fight was going <laughs> <laughs> with my mom and my dad. And my mom was fighting back just like a man. You know, and it just scared me to death when I was little. And I'd say to myself, if I ever have kids, I don't want to have them feel the fear and the anxiety that I felt. So thank the Lord I never picked up profanity. I don't know if I've ever said a profane. I hate profanity. You know, and uh, me and my husband did fight and carry on and knock each other. You know, we'd wait till the kids got to bed and then we'd talk to her. But thank God, and I think my sisters and brothers are still in that profanity and Bound in the anger and stuff. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, mine was uh, in elementary school. I was kind of bullied, and uh, one time I was in class and they had me seats, and I went over to pick up, I fell, and uh, to pick up a paper, and the teacher said, You are the most stupidest kid I ever seen. And then uh, I was lied on. I, I was brought to the principal's office and they, they lied about me. I didn't even know what they were wrong. And I've always felt unworthy. I always felt like I was stupid. These are patterns. <clears throat> as as we're talking about it, how many of you really reliving some of the feelings we're talking about? It is a real deal. Don't be like those things that created a negative pattern in your life. Anybody else? Yes. Yeah. Uh, when my, right before my dad passed away, my mom was watching my son, Jeffrey. And when I went to get him, he put on me out. And he told me if I didn't leave, he was going to shoot me. Mm. And so I left, and he had a massive heart attack. Good. Mm. And we never had any more words after that. <laughs> Your life and it affects you like 
and that's happened to me, but it, it taught, it's hard for you to trust your Heavenly Father. Mm -hmm. yeah. yep. It's hard to trust, yep. to uh, believe that it's going to happen if you're afraid it won't. It's not going to happen. It's just that, you know, that yep. feeling that you get. That and the enemy delights in that disconnect. He doesn't want you to trust your Heavenly Father. Anybody else? I, like I say, I don't like to walk down this path very often, but I was impressed with the Lord we needed to go there today. Because God is able to break the chains of the past. He's able to break from generation to generation to generation. That's the way we were you know, people say, well, I'm, I'm, I'm Irish, or I'm German, or I'm this or that, and that's the way I am. You don't have to be the way you are through Christ Jesus. I and, used to be a Democrat. I'm what? A in this downward spiral and you try to counsel with them and realize that this is not just their problem this was something that was passed along to them yeah. whether it's the worry or the fretting or the uh, fear or uh, just attitudes but there is power in Jesus Christ to not be our earthly fathers. There's power to change it. Yeah. I probably still do over, you know, childhood or something like that, but my dad was a very good alcoholic, I would say. Uh, but mom, she was always church. You know, we'd shine a light. We would go to church when we could. <coughs> Whenever I was in my 20s, um, I started uh, going to Alnum with this person, and they taught me a lot. You know, the sickness, like alcoholics are like drug addiction, <coughs> you know, and everything. And I really learned a lot from that. That changed me a lot. Other than that, I was like, you know, <laughs> you wouldn't want to be around me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And to, to see those kind of things that are repeated and you see signs in children and uh, we need to pray all the families that are represented here and all the families of our church people are ensnared <coughs> with chains from the past but there's victory in Christ Jesus Amen, amen Yes, you do. Uh, yes um, in our family our mom wouldn't go to church, but our dad went to church, mm -hmm. and he took us children to church. And so, it, it just, you know, if your mother don't want to do something, you wonder why. Yeah. But, but that's how we were, but our dad took us to church. Yeah, I, I, I could relate to 
Patsy, I have a relative uh, that took out a contract on me or threatened to. Wow. Nice. That'll bring joy to your heart. <coughs> but uh, the past need not be your future. And just in this small group here today, how many of you know of some other families that are locked in a vicious cycle? Broken homes and relationships and one after another after another. Uh, my, uh, my in-laws, our cousins, we had one cousin that by the time she died, she was on her seventh husband. <laughs> She was what? She was on her 7th husband. Huh? She was colorful. But, uh, uh, you know, that was the pattern. Uh, divorce and uh, abuse and all kinds of things on the keen side of the ledger. So, but praise God for a, a praying mother and that God is able to... Oh, yes. To help us Amen. overcome those things. Yes. I'm the opposite. I came from a good family and I became an addict. Mm -hmm. And my sons broke the chains. Good. Yes, they're doing great. Praise God. Yeah. Praise but God. they knew they were loved. Mm -hmm. Praise God. Yeah. So make it a prayer emphasis in your life. How many of you would say, you've overcome some of those change from the past. Wouldn't you love to pray for some others to overcome some of these patterns? They're experiencing, they're going to continue to spin their wheels in them until something happens supernaturally. And we can be prayer warriors in that, praying over families, over individuals, over situations. And as a, as a parent, you you know your heart hurts when you're when you 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 see other kids growing up unloved, uncared for, oh, yes. uh, and it brings you back to some of those old hurts and pains and rejections. But well, on the lighter side, yeah. But is there a perfect family? No. No, there's no perfect family. But I mean, we can strive that. under perfection. That's Apostle Paul. Said yeah, we, we strive under perfection. And uh, we don't just say, well, that's just the way I am. No. There is... The Lord would not have told Zechariah to tell the people, don't be like your fathers, <laughs> if we had no choice in the matter. That's right. That's right. Amen? That's right. Amen? We have a choice. We have a choice. Well, let, let's get to a, a, a lighter, a lighter side, a more enjoyable side. Uh, get me out of my dark past here. Yeah. Why are you sharing that though? Because nobody would have done that, you know, just because of you know how you present yourself and everything. It's good because we can see that we can be overcomers. You know. That's true. Yeah. Um, just by sharing it and seeing that. Knowing you, you're a very good pastor. Um, I, I think the best thing I would like <coughs> to be called at the end of all a good dad. Yeah. 
over patterns of response. People gripped with worry and fear, negative behaviors. Uh, they have to get even. That's, that's passed down too. Uh, we had a feuding mentality in our, in our family. My, my dad and my grandmother didn't speak for the last several years of his life. Because they had disagreement. No one was going to break down and apologize or mend the fence. But we'll just put the grandkids in the middle of it. Threatened by my dad if I told anything that happened in our house. Bribed by my grandmother to tell her anything that happened. Pray <laughs> to break the negative patterns. The second principle is praying for the preparing of the way for his return talked about the fact that we have the messianic prophecies <clears throat> and we find that we have a part in praying for his return. Isn't that what John said in Revelation? Even so come yes. Lord Jesus. That's a prayer. Amen? Amen. Amen. And we have a part to play. We talked before about the difference between the second coming and the rapture. But let's look at, uh, uh, I need somebody to read Isaiah 40, verse 3 through 5. You're rested up now. Okay, Shauna's got that one. Matthew 3, 1 through 3. I got it. You got it? Okay, get there. All right, there we go. <coughs> Isaiah 40. <coughs> <coughs> I want to thank my father for filling our car with smoke wherever we went in the winter. And all of three boys, we have lousy lungs. That's good. That's <laughs> really, really good. Isaiah 40, 3 through 5. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway glorified. Every valley shall be exalted, and every mountain and hill brought low. The crooked places shall be made straight, and the rough places smooth. The glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall, shall see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Amen. Here we see the prophecy and ultimate fulfillment in Matthew 3, 1-3. Brother? In those days came John the Baptist preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, Repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he that was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah, saying, The voice of the one crying in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Amen. How can we pray for the coming of the Lord? We realize that it's in His timing. But we can be praying for the preparation of it. And it all begins with repentance. Calling and praying for repentant hearts. And I'm going to read these because we're a little limited in time here. But you can turn to all of these references you know them probably by heart. 
as we're preparing for his return, how can we best be in preparation for that? Just as John the Baptist, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repentance. Revelation 2.5 says, Remember therefore from where you have fallen, repent and do the first works. Or else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. Verse 15. Thus you also have those who hold the doctrine of the Nicolaitans, which thing I hate. Repent, or else I will come to you quickly and will fight against them with the sword of my mouth. Verse 21 of chapter 2. And I gave her time to repent of her sexual immorality, and she did not repent. Indeed, I will cast her into a sick bed, and those who commit adultery with her into great tribulation, unless they repent of their deed. Chapter 3 and verse 3. Remember, therefore, how you have received and heard, hold fast and, say it with me, repent. repent. Therefore, if you will not watch, I will come upon you as a thief, and you will not know what hour I will come upon you. Verse 19, chapter 3. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Therefore, be zealous and repent. And notice, who are all of these repentances aimed at in Revelation? The church. He's not talking to a single unbeliever, is he? He's not talking to a single unbeliever. He's talking to the church. Pray for a, a tender heart of repentance among believers. To repent, to get our hearts to prepare the way of the Lord. To not only repent, but call others, as John did, to repentance. But it has to begin in our hearts first. Yes, God help us. We need to have a sensitivity. The Lord does not want us walking around all day under a cloud of guilt. But we need to have a tender heart yes. of repentance. Because how many of you realize... Well, maybe you don't really. I do. I mess up every day. Every stinking day. How about every 60 seconds? Yeah, we're, we're pretty much on the clock. You know. Well, I'm due, to, I'm due to mess up again. <laughs> um, we need, but some, some believers develop a callousness on their hearts about repentance. They believe, well, I repented once, that's good enough, you know, and, and but they don't, they're not sensitive. You know, asking the Lord to keep me sensitive yes. when I step out of line, when I mess up, when I say the wrong thing or I don't say the right thing. To to be convicted by the Holy Spirit so I can repent. Our the repentance of believers. And the preaching of repentance to the lost prepares the way of his coming. Amen? Amen.
We're going to stop there today and get ready. This was a call for church repentance. We have a lengthy prayer list, as I mentioned earlier. And uh, are you ready? Next week, next week, we're going to finish off the 39 books of the Old Testament in our quest of prayer principles, praying through the book. We're a little over halfway through the Bible. How many New Testament books are there? A lot. 39 and 27. That's my old songs kicking in again. 66, 66, 39 and 27. God's own word sent from heaven. Genesis to Revelation. Thank you, Mom. <laughs> she was my Sunday school teacher. Her request today. Yes.
praying for Mary Lou and family. Al Ponzani, mm -hmm. was that right? That's good. That's Pretty close. Pretty close. <laughs> yeah. Stomach cancer. Anybody else prayer requests this morning? We want to pray for. We need hip. As my grandparents said, we need hip. Uh, we have the uh, big barn sale coming up this weekend. Uh, they're going to be going out doing pricing and everything. If you bring things, uh, help price them because they've been working for weeks on that. And we're trying to get things set up for this weekend. I need help on Friday, early in the morning, setting up the outdoor pavilions and things. Uh, and then I need help at the snack bar uh, taking the money. I don't like to do the money thingy. You need help eating hot dogs. That's what I was going to say. You need help I, I, I don't need any help eating hot dogs. <laughs> I've got my quality control dietary plan. Every hour we test for flavor and consistency. <laughs> but we need help in a variety, and then that's all day. It's Saturday as well, uh, Friday and Saturday. And so we would appreciate any help that you can render. Um, be praying for the youth. We're getting ready for the youth missions trip in just another week. Just another week. They'll be leaving next, a week from Friday, I believe. And, uh, yeah. I have a prayer request. She's, I forgot, I kept trying to think. Her name's Monica. She's the water instructor at Victories. And she's a kind of bike rider. Well, she had tripped on a log and shattered her knee, broke her wrist. So, and you know, she's not a Christian, but I've, I've tried to, to witness to her. So I just want yeah. you to pray, Monica. Monica. Let's go to prayer. Yeah. This is a praise, um, uh, a praise, um, and maybe some of you might say, eh. <laughs> but to me, I have to say it. Um, we have taken my van for an oil change, and uh, then like two days later, I was driving it, my husband is sitting next to me, and he's trying to put the window down, it won't go down. Next day, every time he tried, it would not work, my, my window, we're thinking it's going to cost us to have that mm -hmm. Last Wednesday, when I left the church, I'm driving, I said a little prayer, and for faith, and I tried nothing. It would not work. That evening at home, my husband, I guess he put the van on, he tried, and it opened. <laughs> and, and I was able to win, you know, tell him. Praise hey, I pray for that. Yeah. And we don't not have to take it for repeal or anything. It's, and it's still working. Praise God. Praise God. <laughs> Little things, big things, we'll give him praise for all things. Well, let's go to prayer. Yeah. My pulse has been running in the 120s, and they're kind of alarmed about that. Doctors are. Uh, is that high or low? That's high. That's, that's high. high. That's high. It's dangerously high. Yeah, that's high. So we need to slow her pulse down. Well, let's go to prayer. Can we have several lead us out in prayer today? I'll close in just a little while. And let's, this would be a good time to pray over some of those things that we were talking about earlier. The dark corners that we've come through that we need God's help with. And others may be going through as well.
Thank you, Lord, for this beautiful day. Thank you for hearing the word for Shalaya is a lamp up to our feet. Thank you for my brothers and sisters as they bring forth their prayers, Lord, and seek the answers for these prayers. We ask you to look out upon everyone, Lord, and welcome for the answer to you, Lord. We know that you are a prayer-answering God. Sometimes you're not us. Always there, but by faith, Lord, you will always come through. Surely you are the rock that we can see a lot. Shall I put two say thank you? Naki Oto I ask you to look down upon our pastor, Lord, especially at his good wife, especially this weekend. Send help along the way, Lord. Seems like there's no help coming on. I ask you to look down my companion, Lord. Touch her, Lord, from the top of her head to the bottom of her feet. I ask you to look down upon all those others, Lord Jesus. We are a privileged people just to know that you're by our side, Lord. That you love us, Lord. Mighty God, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for the many, 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 many blessings that you put stowed on your people, Lord. Look down on the pieces of yours, Lord, and these time of evil days. We give you all the praise, all the praise in the precious name, the name of all names. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Praise God, praise God, praise God, praise God. Those people. 
Lord, I pray that Sally will have an opportunity to just witness to her. And Lord, may she find in all of this pain and restoration, may she find you. Yes. Most importantly. Yes. Lord, we just thank you that you comfort those who mourn. Lord, we just thank you that you bless us in so many ways. Father, be with us this week. Give us strength and grace as we minister to our community. Um, we just thank you for the opportunities that you do give us. And pray, Lord, that you'll uh, just give us the strength to minister. Lord, be with Pastor. I pray that you'll give him a double portion. Lord, he needs your strength and me. He is such a great shepherd. We thank you for it. We praise you for it. Give you all honor. In Jesus' name. Jesus, 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 there's just something about Master, Savior, Jesus, like the fragrance after the rain, <clears throat> Jesus, 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 let all heaven and earth proclaim, kings and kingdoms may all pass away. But there's something about that day. <clears throat> Lord God, thank you that you know us and yet still love us. Yes. And you're patient, long-suffering with us. Yes, thank you. As we reflect on your words to Zechariah, to the people, that we would pray for those and pray for ourselves if we're trapped in behaviors that shouldn't be passed along to the next generation. We pray, Father, we break the cycle and the chain through the power of Jesus Christ. We pray for families within the church. <coughs> that are repeating lessons they've learned in negative ways. Father, help them to see, help them to come to know there's a better way through Jesus. We also pray, Father, for that spirit of repentance to be widespread in the hearts of every believer. Yes, sir. 
that we would be sensitive when we veer off course. Yes. When we need to humble ourselves before you. That repentance might precede preparation for your coming. We ask, Father, that you'd help us to share the same words as, as John the Baptist. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Father, we're thankful for opportunities we have to interface with people in our community. We know some, Father, that have called and told us they look forward to this, this uh, barn thing every year. And, and Father, they're, they're looking forward to being here, not just for the, the day, but for the fellowship. Help us, Father, to touch lives for the kingdom's sake. Give us opportunities to pray with people for healing, for guidance, deliverance, for salvation, for fullness of your Holy Spirit. <coughs> Father, you just open the doors and help us to walk through in faith. We pray, Father, for laborers. You told your disciples to pray the Lord of the harvest to send laborers. And then you sent them. So, Father, as we pray, help us to be also obedient. We ask, Father, your touch upon these days. We pray your hand to be upon Pastor Carissa and all those that are going on the missions trip to evangelize young lives in, in South Carolina. But Father, we have an impact on people for eternity. We pray, Father, for you to help us with that outreach. Yes. In Jesus' name, we lift up those that are having surgery tomorrow, yes. those that are in, in treatments today. Father God will hear good reports of how you've moved and how you've restored and how you've healed. We give you praise for it all. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.